You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm really glad that you tuned in today, and you're going to be glad that you tuned in today because today you're going to get a front row peek at what God has been up to. You get to see just the work of His grace, and you're going to get to hear testimony that I think will bless you. And if it does bless you, then I want to encourage you to grab this episode of the podcast, share it with sisters and brothers that would be blessed by it, and let's tell people what God's up to so that other people can find the courage to walk with Jesus. Hey, I want to introduce you to Megan. Megan, thank you so much for being on the podcast oh, today. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm, it's an honor to be here. All right. So, Megan, welcome. Some of this may come out during your testimony as you should, because you're well prepared. You've got yes. this all written out and ready to go. Yes. Some of this may come out later in the uh, in your testimony. So if it does, you're welcome to say, Ben, just wait. Yeah. But just by way of like quick introduction, uh, you've been at Carterville for months now. How long have you been worshiping with us? About six months. So six months. That's awesome. And hometown for you, like where are your roots? Where are you from? I'm from Picayune originally. Yeah. And so you've been with us six months. It's been neat for me to get to see, you know, how God's using you as a part of the worship team at Celebrate Recovery, how God's using you on Sunday mornings just as you worship and are faithful to Jesus. So I can't wait to hear the full story of what God has been up to. Yes. So Megan, when you're, whenever you're ready. All right. My name is Megan Elizabeth Bordenay Butcher. I'm 33 years old. I'm a grateful believer who's in recovery and struggles with heroin addiction. I was a hopeless, powerless, self-sabotaging, sociopathic heroin addict. I thrived in chaos. I had a deep-rooted hatred for people in general, but I reserved a special vendetta for people who the world deemed normal. If you were happy, I hated you. If you weren't an addict, I hated you. If you were successful, I hated you. And if you were trying to help others, I especially hated you. I looked at people like objects for my amusement, and I didn't care if I hurt you to get what I wanted. Everything I did was to get high or to get more money to get high. Everything was a game to me. The lying, the stealing, the fighting, the manipulation, that was all fun to me. I grew up with an alcoholic father who wasn't there half the time and the other half of the time I was enduring drunken beatings for trivial things such as a wrong number caller who called after 9 p.m. or loading the dishwasher, uh, the dishwasher incorrectly. The physical and mental abuse from my dad at 12 to 14 years old shaped me into an angry, quick-tempered, violent teenager, and the death of my mother at 12 years old started my cycle of addiction that I continued in for 21 years. I have been homeless. I have been exiled from my family. I have been to the penitentiary more than once. I have been to rehab. I even was hospitalized due to a stroke that temporarily left me unable to speak. Those were all extremely low parts of my life, but the lowest part of my addiction would have to be when I overdosed on heroin on August 2nd, 2020. I didn't see a white light, no long tunnel. There were no angels. There was nothingness. It is indescribable. There are no words to, ex uh, to express the vast darkness that I was going towards. When my husband revived me after he called 911, I refused to go to the hospital, so apparently that didn't sufficiently scare me. I kept on spiraling downward in my addiction for another year. 
2 Samuel 14, 14 says, Like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. But that's not what God desires. Rather, he devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from him. A year and two days after my overdose, I was arrested and put in jail. I was given a hold by Mississippi Department of Corrections so that I couldn't bond out. That night was the first time that I prayed sincerely in a very long time. About a week or two later, I was given the opportunity to go to the Lighthouse Rescue Mission in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I'm ashamed to say that I accepted their offer for the wrong reason. I just wanted to get out of jail. When I got there, I tried to keep an open mind, but I quickly closed it up again. With God constantly conv uh, convicting me and Miss Kim just loving me through my mania, I finally surrendered my life and my will to the Lord. It was a weightless feeling. All of a sudden, I felt lighter, like I didn't have to hold my burdens anymore. The only thing that I was still holding on to was my husband. I gave, my, I gave God myself, my daughter, my addiction, the abuse, everything but my husband. I knew that I could change him and save him by showing him a better way of life. I would cry myself to sleep at night, praying for God to sit him down somewhere, whether it be in rehab or in jail, anywhere. When I was ready to surrender my husband, I did wholeheartedly, and that's when I opened the door that God had been patiently knocking on. Proverbs 16.9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their, their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. In my heart, I was being obedient to God for the first time in my life, and He faithfully established my steps. I dug into my Bible, into the purpose-driven life, and into my 12-step program. I was actually applying the knowledge to my life. I wasn't worried about my husband anymore because I knew that God was going to make a way for him. I didn't care how long it took because I knew that God's timing is different from mine. As I started to work on myself and focusing more on my walk with Jesus, God showed up and did what he does best, miracles. By me being obedient and submissive to God, he put amazing people in my life who are in the business of recovery, reconciliation, and reunification, and they do it so selflessly and with the love of Christ. Through those people, God worked his wonderful miracle. My husband and I are both saved and await in baptism. He started his recovery last year at Righteous Oaks, and I'm currently helping others on their road to recovery and sharing the love of Christ here at the Lighthouse. God has softened my heart and gave me a passion to help other addicts who want a better life. With God, I have been transformed into one of the people that I used to despise. Isn't God amazing? He's totally and completely changed me from the inside out. I now know what it means to be loved and to love others. All the hate, the anger, and despair has been taken out of me and been replaced with the love, peace, and joy. I have a willingness to share Christ with everybody and to be a living testimony to the power of God's awesome love and healing. Teaching classes at the Lighthouse has helped me to stay involved in not only my recovery, but in so many others' recovery. For the first time in my life, I feel like a part of something, something great, something so much bigger than I could possibly imagine, something that actually gives back. The only way I can describe it is to say that it makes me feel full. Every day I feel a fullness in my heart and in my spirit that can only be from God. When I sing in the choir at Celebrate Recovery, I feel the Holy Spirit all over me. Even though I'm on stage in front of many people, I feel like it's just me and God. 
I would never have thought that was possible, but it is, and it's mind-blowing. Worshiping the Lord through singing is just one way that I enjoy giving back to God and to those who helped me start my journey with Jesus. I wouldn't be where I am or blessed the way I am without people like Miss Kim and Mr. Ken, Pastor Ben, and Brother Sean, who took a chance on me and my husband because they said yes to the Lord. I'm eternally thankful for them and their continued support. My advice to anybody who wants to enter into recovery, no matter what their addiction may be, is don't wait any longer. Don't wait until you have all your ducks in a row. God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the ones that he calls. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And the Lord says in 2 Corinthians 12 9, My gracious suspicion. Uh, my grace is sufficient. I mean, sufficient. Sufficient. I'm there here. you go. Yes. <laughs> my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So put your pride away and lean on the Lord, and He will lift you up. And I stand on Philippians four twelve and thirteen. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty. Or in want, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Megan, wow! Thanks. <laughs> Man, it's amazing to hear and to imagine what God has done in your life in the last year. Yes. And not just you, but your husband. Yes. So, um, like, I don't. I, I feel like I've just sort of been watching from the back seat, but it's been kind of neat to watch. It's been neat to watch you grow. It's been neat to watch your worship. It's been neat just to watch the change in your countenance and your face from the first weeks that you were here uh, until now when you come for worship and you're a worshiper of Jesus, you know? That's pretty neat for me. But amazing to me is you were just talking to me, I don't know, a couple of Sundays back about your husband, Merrill, Mm -hmm. you know, because, and he, he is in recovery. He's found Jesus. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that started with you. Yes. You know, when God, when God worked in your life, that just eventually sort of, you know, rippled out and now it's impacting your whole family. Yes. So you said something profound to me. And you, you mentioned some of this in your testimony, but it was profound when you said, when I said, hey, how's your husband doing? Um, and I heard that he'd been saved. I heard he gave his life to Jesus. But you said, um, and you can use different words. You may say, Ben, no, it's more like this. But what I remember, Megan, is something like, you just kind of said, Ben's like a different person. Like my husband's quoting scripture to me now. Yes. Yes. I mean, I didn't think that was possible. You know, he... He really is like a new person to me. And I know that the Bible says that we're all new creatures in Christ, but he really is. And I was talking to um, Brother Dave. I was like, I've been with him from the beginning, all his lows, all his highs, and all the places in between. And it was like meeting him for the first time. Yeah, that's awesome. And so for podcast listeners who say, Brother Dave, what's his job? Brother Dave runs Righteous Oaks. He Mm -hmm. is a great partner in the Lord. um, And he is right now just a a great influence on your husband. Yes. Well, this is neat. It's beautiful to me to see not just your personal reconciliation, but to see now how that's impacting other people you know, how that's moving out into your family and your extended family. All right, so Megan, as we wrap up this episode of the podcast, let me kind of shift gears. Your testimony should be useful to so many people, not just people who are wrestling with addictions, but some people who have been running from God for other reasons. Yes. You know, but the most powerful thing for me to hear was this, that in your in, in your early life, when you were in a bad spot, you hated people. Mm-hmm. And especially people that wanted to help you. 
But to see that now that, man, you can, you love people and you have a whole different outlook on that. Yes. Gosh, I wish I could just package that and give that to so many people. So many people because I didn't think it was possible. I, I just, I grew up like that. You know, when, when you grow up with all the anger and all the hate, like it seeks into you and you pass it on to others. And when God takes it away from you and fills you up with good things like love, and gentleness, all the fruits of the Spirit, you want to give it to other people. That's awesome. Well, I would love to see that change. Like for podcast listeners today, like we've all got brothers and sisters that are walking in addiction and struggle. But listen to me, what Megan has said today is not just for people who are walking in addiction and recovery. Listen, there are brothers and sisters who can't love their neighbor because of pride or selfishness. Like for a lot of people who sit on church pews, it can be easy to fall into a trap where you're just using people to get things done that you need done. And, and it's possible. It's really possible to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. But that work requires God doing a good work in your heart. Right. And that's my favorite part of your testimony. And I hope that some brothers and sisters who hear what you share today will pass that along and stop keeping God at arm's length. Let him change you on the inside so that you love your neighbor. Yes. Thanks, Megan. You're very welcome.